And we are back after a decent hiatus for the Delve. Pretty decent. I feel I feel like Jacob's Ladder's been on that list for a few months. It's I think I've watched it I think twice in full and like maybe another half a time in there. That's important and you'll be you'll be better apt to review this than I am, I think. Yes, I think that I I noticed things better the second time watching it. This is definitely a movie that needs to be watched more than once to get its full to know what's going on. Yeah. Well, I won't say that. I feel very comfortable with knowing what's going on. Or to see on. the threads that are there. I feel like the writing will be more appreciated. Because I feel like I may have missed stuff that I'd look for now. Mm-hmm. I, be- I believe that. Um, just especially because of like, some of the plots and themes. Some of the themes within the plot. I feel like they probably were working on from the beginning of the film, and I didn't know to look for them that early. Yeah, I mean, I think the version that struck out to me is that in the first scene on the subway, or actually the second scene of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, there's a large sign that just says "Hell." That's a, that's a, it's a, all the signs on the subway are, I guess, either period or when they were filming anti-drug ads. Mm-hmm. But one of them, yeah, a very large red letter on a black background saying "Hell." Well, I think, honestly, um, and I have a huge problem with this movie, but one of the traces is, if you are remotely familiar, and I wasn't, I had to go back and look, I knew the story, but I didn't have it ready in my brain, if you know the story of Jacob's Ladder, I don't think you're going to spend more than three minutes wondering what this movie's about. I don't think, well, if you will know, there is a story of Jacob's Ladder. See, but... That's the other problem, is if you don't know the story of Jacob's Ladder, and you spent more than five minutes wondering what the story's about, I think you spent too long. I I knew what this where this movie would end well like minutes in. It's not it's trying so hard to be clever that it fails. I don't know if it's trying to be clever. They're basically begging you to know what it's about, and in that, it feels like they're like daring you not to know. What, what is it doing that they're trying to be clever? I, I want to just well, I conversation feel, this. No, like I feel like they're throwing all of these clues at you about what's going on, practically spoon-feeding you, and it feels like they're trying to be overly clever. Like They want you not to get it, but to get it at the same time. They want you to have like not know what, how, the, how it's going to end. But they're still based. They're just giving you all this information about how it's going to end. But before we, let's actually we let's can't have this conversation until we actually get say what's ha- we've said nothing right now. In Jacob's, a weird way. Jacob's ladder is a 1990s 1990 1990 defined genre piece. It can be considered psychological horror. It can be considered horror thriller. Other genres, uh, starring Tim Robbins. Elizabeth Pina, and Danny Aiello, although I don't know that I would consider Danny Aiello a star since he's only in maybe ten minutes of the movie. I would at least say a supporting role, like a major supporting role in the film. He's definitely an important character. I won't argue that. Um, in any case, it is about a um, an individual, what was his name, uh, Jacob Singer, nicknamed The Professor, played by Tim Robbins, who is... Who served in Vietnam, and we now see later in life 
wondering about his post-war life in New York City. New York, right? Yeah. I thought so. Uh, as a postman. And that's the roughest plot I can give you. He, I will say he starts having hallucinations. And slowly, you know, you definitely see a suspense thriller type of atmosphere arrive from that. Um, there's really no good way for us to, to, to talk about this movie without spoiling it. You, you can't not. Just... So, if you were ever tempted to watch it and you haven't, we'll give you a heads up. I'm definitely going to say it should be watched at least once. Yeah, give it, give it a one. Give it a, I'd say give it one or two shots. I'd be interested in seeing what the full version is. There's a about 20 minutes missing from the third act. That's never been released? Or? It's on the it's on the home video releases. Okay, because I just watched it streaming yeah, on the, Apple. Yeah, the rental version is just the theatrical okay. cut. Um, yeah, because I don't think I could watch it streaming on Amazon. Maybe, maybe rent it? Not free. I know I, I rent it on Google Play. Right, they won't. Like, I only saw it for sale on Amazon. Okay. So I had to go over to Apple. I've been, I've been running on Google Play because they do the Google Rewards surveys, so... Hmm. Filled up enough 10 cent surveys to get a uh, rental. So we're going to start spoiling it now. Yep, enter spoilers now. So, really, young Mr. Singer is still in Vietnam. Yes. And the entire experience that you have at the movie, during the bulk of the movie, is uh, a kind of limbo. Some sort of a lim- yeah, some sort of or limbo or purgatory. purgatory thank yeah, you. I knew you were, I knew the Catholic would come up with the right word. It's a common word. Yeah, but it wasn't coming to my brain. Uh, um. So, but they they beg you to know that, like they when Danny Aiello's first introduced, you see his head behind light and he says you're an angel. It's quite obvious that Danny Aiello is some sort of angel or guide. See, I I think this is the question the movie's asking is, is he going to go to heaven or hell? The real question here. To me, that's the bigger question. I don't know that that's the question. Or that's the sort of the potential resolution of the story. Not, is he dead or alive? I don't think so. I don't think hell's ever an option. I think that the entire film is pointing that he could go to hell. Even with the names of the two women he's he's been associated with, Sarah and Jezebel. Now, I I, I see where you're coming from. Just the the path I had on this movie, it never felt like hell was necessarily a danger. It felt like purgatory might be a very extended stay. And it's it's an interesting we should discuss. Dan Aiello seems to be some sort of guide. Yeah. And he makes a comment that, if I let me try and pull it from my head, that basically says the difference in his the difference is all in his experience and where he is, saying that um, it would be hell if you were dying and weren't ready to die and weren't ready to give up the pieces of your life. Then the experiences as he sees them would be traumatic and horrifying, like things being ripped away from him. Whereas if he was ready to give these things up and had accepted death, then it would just be a liberation, and he wouldn't it wouldn't feel traumatic 
or horrifying it would feel like he was being set free. Yeah, and that is an actual sort of a theological discussion. It absolutely makes sense. I just... I, it's one of those things where I, I suspect strongly I'm wrong, and you're right, but I never got the feeling that hell was really going to happen. I mean, I definitely felt like there, I mean, he could come to a point where he wasn't ready to leave purgatory, or like these things were going to keep on happening to him, but he comes through a weird resolution that's not really explained. The- Again, I think that's why there's like there's like a twenty minutes lost there where there seems more conflicty, like based on what I've read. I'm hoping it's between cab and apartment. Yeah, like the cab, the apartment, him dealing with Je- like Jezebel becomes a, like a larger demon. There's a larger thing that happens there. That would be interesting, and maybe I would be more on that side of things then, because I didn't. It was. It seems very releasing. Like the last thing is sort of a much more. Fluid moment. It's not a. No, he's definitely. It's not a peak. It's just a. It's a. He's looking through a box of artifacts from his life, mm-hmm. his his dead son, mm-hmm. and that's him sort of realizing, yes, I you know I need to give up on this. Hmm. No, no, I'm now I'm thinking like because this there's one thing I did think while watching this movie is like I'm just not sure. I I would have to watch it again to really. To really give a final opinion on it. And I think that that's one of the things I'd have to watch is his interactions with Jesse. Like, I'm not, like, they didn't trigger as much to me. Like, I didn't see any, like, hidden innuendo in their interactions. Whereas now I'm like, I, I wonder if I would. Watching it again. I mean, I think even the first thing you see her do is try to burn the photos of his children. And that's sort of another very... Right. Very hell imagery scene. I didn't necessarily feel that's that was an act of evil, though. Like it was an acceptable piece of behavior it for was, someone that, yes. didn't, that wouldn't want someone to suffer. It would be weird still, but I definitely, in and of itself, not enough to really spark my suspicion. I think I, I didn't connect the hell dots until the second viewing. Hmm. Because you know something weird is going on, and then within like twenty minutes, you know he's dead. Yeah, yeah, there's just no, there's no way you're missing. And that, that's why I don't think, the, there's never a question of, is he dead or alive in the film? I don't think there intended to be one. I'm not so sure. I'm really not. I, I think it's very, and then there's the hospital scene's a very ham-fisted death scene. Hmm, no. Like, no. And that's about but, halfway through, if not more. Two-thirds? Yeah, it's pretty well into the film. By then, you're absolutely... Yeah. If, if you don't know, then you go into a different line of entertainment. Because it's... They're not... They're not subtle about it. But I feel like they might be trying to be... Like, they might be trying to have their cake and eat it, too. Like, I feel like they still... They're holding out hope that someone might not catch on with them to what they're doing until later. But. Maybe, but I still think that the, the you're supposed to quick catch on very quickly that he's dead. I think that's very textual that he is dead in the dissociation and the demon and the demon imagery, which apparently that was a new style of imagery for demons when this film was made. Hmm. 
But that was a sort of a colloquy between the director and the writer. He, the writer wanted more classical biblical style demon imagery, horns, red. Well, like the shaky faces. The shaky faces, the I, disfigurement. See, I, I can that to... Um, I would like a Clive, Clive Barker would probably be where I'd go to with the Hellraiser. See, that, to me... Or it, even H.R. Giger before that. It struck me as late 90s... Um, like horror, like there's similar. Yeah, this is nineteen ninety. This is nineteen ninety. This is early nineties. So. Right, I'm just saying. Yeah. The, the, the imagery there struck me like, like uh, House on the remake for House on Haunted Hill has very similar imagery. It's like the, the Wikipedia article says that that sort of sort of like created that style in film. I could see that it's very it's very frightening. Yeah, this is very unnerving and creepy and very body horror driven. Mm-hmm. I, I and I. If this is an origin to that, then it's definitely more important than I'm giving it credit for. I I found myself being disappointed in the film, though. The, the, the ending sort of is a weird, flat moment. It definitely felt like we went from the climax to the resolution without actually We didn't have a... Co- there's no moment conflict you could point to where it shifts. Yeah, all of a sudden, he just seems to be accepting of his predicament. Yeah, and even, and even watching, you're not sure what's really going on as a viewer, because he he's, he's, so he tells the cab to take me to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Take me home. He says, Brooklyn first, then he says, take me home. Hmm. And it takes him home to his first wife. Right. Or I guess, yeah, his ex-wife's house. Mm-hmm. Well, not really, but yeah. Yeah, but at least what appears to be the ex-wife's house. And you know, that's a much nicer house than the one he was living in, mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. It also makes me wonder... There's so many things I wonder about this movie. The first scene where he comes home to his his new home. Yes. Um, it's all dark and he hits something. And I'm wondering if that's because that's the first time he's ever been there. Like in his like like the thing there wasn't supposed to be there because he was expecting to be in a different place. Maybe. Like and the other thing I really, really wanted to go back to watch four, and I'm not sure I'm going to because I don't know that the movie wowed me that much. But I really wanted to see because toward the end, when Danny Aiello is really spelling it out, which in terms of like, like having his life deconstructed, I kind of wanted to go back and see if there was any rhyme or reason to that deconstruction, or whether it was haphazard. Like, were there other parts where they were taking specific things from him? You know. Yeah, like other, like the job, the, right, job. the past, all, all that yeah. stuff. Um, his war, like his war buddies, his family. Like I wanted to see, like when we saw these demons, and if I to try and spell out whether I could figure out what they were trying to, like what's each of them a segment of something. Right. You see the other doctor disappears. You see, and that's the one thing that I felt like a second rewatching might really enlighten me on because I. I think that the writer's very clever. Again, yeah, I, I this is a I, I think this movie has a lot going on, and I think it suffers from the ending. Definitely suffers from the that ending. That I think that's my biggest issue with the movie is that it's just sort of it lands, doesn't crash. Mm. And I'm a little disappointed um, in my in my own interpretations that I didn't get more of the uh, the Jezebel hell stuff. But I, in my defense, it's and I said on on Twitter, this is a movie. I mean, I watched it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't do anything else because I knew I couldn't. But it was still something where I, I'm quite certain I missed just blinking things that... There's a lot of little details. Absolutely. And I think that's a very 
interesting thing. You don't see a film this detail-y. No, you don't see that except for things like... It's going to be an indie horror film now. Memento, um, Donnie Darko, stuff like that. That's where you expect it from, and this is definitely in that vein for me. I'd put it, yeah, this, some of the stories, the, the Satoshi Kon film. Can we go with Cerebral Horror? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like, oppose, I wouldn't disagree with that phrasing. Because that's what it, like, that's what that kind of genre feels to me, like, cerebral suspense or horror. It's all, yeah, it's also these films that are disjointed, you're not quite sure what's going on. Where you know the writer really wants you to watch it a second time. Yeah, and you almost do to get to get the full story to see beginning after you see the ending. Definitely. But, um, but still, I did feel, and maybe, like you're saying, maybe I would feel differently if we got the other 20 minutes of the film. But as it is, it felt disappointing to me. The The cast was pretty on. I really, like it was, I, I mentioned this before recording, I was not used to seeing Elizabeth Pena as, um, as a young woman. I'm used to seeing her as someone's mom. So it was really weird that she's just like, she is out and about and nude for half the fucking film. And it was, I'm like, no, weird. no you're a mom. Well, you know, this is, this is, at some point, everybody... Hey. You shut your mouth. Uh, Tim Robbins did fine. I always expect Tim Robbins to do fine. Yeah. He, he did a, you know, I don't... It's not a memorable performance, but it is... It's an early performance. Yeah. I get that. And it doesn't, it doesn't do anything bad. No. Frankly, I felt like he did better in um, um, the, the Bull Durham than he did in this in terms of just getting a performance out of him. But I feel like maybe he wasn't exactly sure what they wanted out of him either. I, this seems like a trouble production. It was it was started like 1980. It was like a it was like a 10 year window and trying to get this film made. Um, Danny Ailes, always <laughs> awesome. I think he he you know steals the show wherever he is, but he also has sort of the, in a way the easiest part. Yeah, we have to get back. He's he's essentially an exhibition character. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, there's a, an early sighting of Jason Alexander. It's Seinfeld had already filmed by this point. Has it? Um, 89 is the first episode, so, I, yeah. I watched this movie. Mm-hmm. I watched it front to back. I paid attention. How did I miss Lewis Black in this movie? I miss Lewis Black watching the credits. <laughs> I miss Esopathica Murkison in the, somewhere in this film. Fuck, at least I saw Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> yeah, well, that's hard to miss. It's hard to miss Macaulay Culkin. I did not know. I'm just reading the cast list. I'm like, Louis Black was in this movie? <laughs> was he Was he one of the doctors at the end that called him? Like, that declare him dead? Maybe. Maybe in the hospital? Maybe. The hospital scene. I mean, I don't really want to watch the hospital scene again anytime no. soon. It was very disturbing. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the... The scene that... It was disturbing and disappointing to me all at once. Like, it was dis- it was disappointing to me because they were going so out of their way to make sure that disturbing you, imagery that was you, seen. Well, I think that they, you, they want no doubt that this can't be real. That when there are just body parts on the floor... My... My only argument to that is, and it's not a strong one, but it exists, is that there is doubt because he's been he's been dosed with something. He's on a painkiller. He's had a tragic accident, and he could be hallucinating. Yes. 
I mean, but there's really no doubt. But, but there is. But doubt. even a hallucination is clearly not, you know, real, real. Right. Like it's real in his head, no matter what. I don't think we're going to argue that the character's not experiencing that. But it is dissociative from reality, you know, from the truest reality, as much as it can be in a weird near-death experience, you know, near-death purgatory experience. By this time, it's definitely... You have to know something's going on. I mean, you had to know something was going on five minutes in. You, yeah, when, as soon as you see the weird snake creature in the, in the subway. Oh, the creatures, the, the entire first subway scene is very disjointed. It's pulling you away. They want you to feel detached. Just like Tim Robbins feels, obviously feels detached. Yeah. And they do a really good job of it. Mm -hmm. And how about that woman on the subway? She never did a thing, and she's the scariest thing in this movie. Like a real skipper woman on the subway in 1975. What? Like a real person on the subway in 1975 when this film takes place. When they're not picking up garbage on the street because there's a trash strike in New York City. She's terrifying. Yeah. She looked like her face should do something, and it never did. Just like a, again, that's like a real person you see at the supermarket or something in my mind. No, she was terrifying to me. And if you expect to see terrifying people in, like, the supermarket and the subway, I'm glad I don't live in your world. Go to any Polish neighborhood, and you'll see that person. I guarantee it. <laughs> Look at my family photo albums, pull up a picture of my great-great-grandmother, and that's what you'll see. What's that for really on a 90? I think apparently they don't have a really good day on one. I think the pilot filmed in 89. But I don't know if Jason Alexander was in the pilot. I don't think he was, actually. I don't care about your TV career, Jason Alexander, or your movie career. 89 to 98. So he probably was filming this right before he started Seinfeld. Yeah. Interesting. But it's still a weird, like, he's not playing George, but he still has some of the fa same physicality that George had. Oh, see, I disagree. Like, I felt he was much more akin to, um, Jason Alexander plays a lawyer and pretty woman. And to me, they were very similar, except he was a little less sleazy in this. Oh, no, he's not, I thought he's, he's not like George, but he has some, some vision some physical movements. I don't know. I, that do were very Georgie. Do you think that's just Jason Alexander? I think it's just Jason Alexander. But, no, I mean, we're kind of rambling on this. It's it's definitely, it's intriguing enough that if you've never seen it, you should watch it. Yeah, I, I can't recommend skipping it out of hand. But I will say this. If it doesn't intrigue you enough to watch it a second time, then don't. Like, unless you're really like, wow, this was an interesting movie. I really want to see it again with my eyes open. If it didn't do that to you, then there's no real reason to watch it again. And I mean, I feel like this one like a lot of cult films. It doesn't hold up as much as the people who say it holds up does. It's true enough. Um, I was I've been noticing that a lot lately with things where I'm just like, wow, I, I just listened to um, an a comedy album that I really like. I really like her comedy, but I realized that it must have been the late '90s, where because I'm like listening to her talk about the internet. Like a new it's thing. New. And she's like, why does this place have a website? And I'm like, every place has a website. <laughs> and I, I just, it started me thinking about what things like that, like, like, I can't argue that Donnie Darker really has no 
it has no hold. Like, in 20 years, no one's going to know what the fuck's going on in that movie. No, that film is... I mean, even when we talked about it, it was more and more mm-hmm. stretched away. And I think that's going to happen for a lot of movies. And some movies are embracing it, I think, now. They're, they're making themselves a period piece in this period. Full well knowing that it doesn't matter. They're just... They're telling the story they want to tell. Most here. films, you know, I mean, that makes art has to be made in a time, and you might as well keep it that way. But have you have you noticed? Have you ever noticed that when you're watching a movie that's set in the modern day, and it feels like they're very obviously making a period piece? I haven't this period. I haven't noticed that yet. Interesting. If anyone else has, you know, what examples do you have of this in a film? Like, what films do you have examples of this? I have to go back and give you some. Okay. Because I don't have any, like, right up the top of my head. But I, I feel like that's something that's been around. <sighs> now I'm going to have to come back to you. Okay. Well, our next film that we're going to be discussing on this podcast is a much, a, a recent sci-fi film from uh, 2015, Ex Machina. Very excited about this. I've been a, holding back. A film about rogue eyes and billionaires. Uh, not The Avengers 2. Turing Test. A little bit. Yeah, that's a major concept. But I've, I've held myself back from watching this movie just in preparation just to, for Just to hold it? Yes. Just for this. Well, we will talk about that hopefully next month and not get stuck in a weird limbo yet again. Who knows? We've been really enjoying the Battlecast. We have. Battlecast has been good. I think we also enjoyed doing these, and I think we're setting up Secret Santa's that we'll have some time in December. Yeah, I'm actually really excited that we're... Neither one of us is taking on too much. Yeah. I was like, well, let's just do the easiest thing we can this year. Or the least, the least amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so until next time, when we discuss that movie where I've already forgotten what we're watching. Ex Machina? There we go, Ex Machina. We'll see you then. Yep.